0: Hey everyone, this is Ryan from Ethics Fitness, and you are listening to Season 2 of the Ethics Approach Podcast, the podcast where we highlight inspirational vegan athletes and what they do to absolutely kill it on a plant-based diet. If you haven't already, it would really help out if you subscribed to, liked, commented, and or shared any of the content I'm producing, including this podcast, ethics coaching services, articles and training programs available on ethicsfitness.com, videos on YouTube, and more. Links for those will be in the description, and I truly appreciate everyone listening for all of the continued love and support. In this episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Zachary Belknap, a natural WNBF pro-vegan bodybuilder and NASM-certified personal trainer. Zach placed first in his pro-debut bodybuilding show, and despite it not being his direct pursuit, also has some extremely impressive strength numbers under his belt, with a 495-pound squat, 345-pound bench press, and 520-pound deadlift. Zach went vegan in 2015 mainly for environmental purposes. But he quickly found himself drawn to the moral aspects above all else. Switching to a vegan lifestyle was a big motivator for him to push his bodybuilding pursuits to the next level. The myth of plant-based diets being inadequate for building muscle is still a pervasive theory in the general population, and Zack uses that to drive his ambitions in the sport. Zach is an extremely impressive natural bodybuilder, reaching up to a massive 220 pounds in his off-season at 5'10", and one of the best examples of what can be achieved without PEDs on a plant-based diet. His fellow competitors are almost always in shock to hear about his diet after seeing what he has achieved, which is great activism in itself. Zach can be found on Instagram at LLC, which is also the name of his personal training business, and you can find more info on that there. Thanks so much again to Zach for taking the time to come onto the podcast, and I really hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed our chat. So yeah, man, first of all, thank you so much for uh, taking, you know, a little bit of time to do this, uh, and sorry again about the technical difficulties there.
1: No worries, and it's my pleasure. I'm excited.
0: So um, so yeah, do you want to do a quick intro for yourself? You you do a way better job than I would?
1: Yeah, sure. Um. My name is Zachary Belknap, and I live in Eugene, Oregon. I'm from Conifer, Colorado. I uh, own my own training business here. It's called Bold Body Fitness. Um, And I've been vegan for seven years come this February.
0: Nice. Yeah, it's been seven for me now in February. That's like, whoa, actually, same exact time. That's crazy. Yeah,
1: that's awesome. I (laughs) I remember I was like super stoked about it because I Remember reading something like it takes seven years for you to regenerate like every single cell in your body? Oh um, yeah. I have become a plant.
0: <laughs> Dude, we are literally just made of plants at this point.
1: <laughs> yeah, awesome. I am broccoli.
0: It feels good. Um, so what got you into uh
1: let's let's
0: touch on that first, man. So what got you into uh veganism, first of all? Did you jump in cold turkey or did you go vegetarian beforehand or
1: yeah, I went straight for it. I um okay. I think I don't know. I think it was off of recommendation, um, but I watched uh Cowspiracy. Mm-hmm. And um, I was with uh, this girl at the time. And as soon as the movie was over, she was like, I think we're going vegan now. And I was like, Yeah, I think you're right. Shit. <laughs> um, like, wasn't ready for that at all. But at the time, you know, I really considered myself to be like an environmentalist. Mm-hmm. And it was just blatantly obvious that I, I couldn't be both things you know like uh, a meat eater and an environmentalist and and um so that definitely like started me on the path was like the environmental thing but Mm -hmm. um since then like now the priority for me is ethics um, Mm -hmm. but that was what i needed to to sort of like open that door for me
0: You know that is uh, actually hilarious because uh it was almost the same exact story for me. I uh, was vegetarian for four years though, didn't quite commit to going vegan uh for that long. I was like in college, like broke college kid, and um actually yeah, me and my partner at the time watched Cowspiracy. and you know that was uh opening the door to being like, well you know what like I have to go vegan at this point. <laughs> That's so funny. It's almost <laughs> the same story as you.
1: Yeah, were on the universe on same the same journey.
2: yeah Yeah.
0: so were you already um lifting at this point were you uh or did you get into it like shortly after
1: yeah i i started getting into lifting in high school when i was like 16 um Mm -hmm. just i i I was like always playing sports and i just started having more fun in the gym than i did actually playing my sports Mm -hmm. Um, which at the time uh was primarily baseball but i played everything like hockey and football and all that. And uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, I just always had way more fun in the gym. So um quit playing sports and that kind of like carried me down my whole like life path. Honestly, um, mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to be in fitness and I got a degree in exercise and sports science. And um, anyway, by the time I had gone vegan, I, I, that would have been like, I don't know, like eight years into lifting or something like that.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um and i was definitely like i had a couple of workout partners and i was the smallest one (laughs) at Mm -hmm. the time so um i think i had like maybe a little bit of a foundation but for most of that time i never really understood the concept of like eating in a calorie surplus Mm -hmm. so it was just a lot of like staying the same Mm -hmm. um but yeah, when I made the switch, I think I was at like 180 um, body weight, um, mm-hmm. and currently I, I just hit 220, so that's pretty cool. Dude,
0: you're um, a big boy. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, how uh, how tall are you? I'm 5'10". Holy fucking shit, man. You're huge.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, I'm a little chunky right now, though, so... But that I mean, was the dude, cool. I don't get-
0: think... I don't think anyone outside of the, uh, you know, the internet lifting community would ever say that, but, um, I know what you mean. It's like that, uh, I think we're all holding ourselves to that, that crazy standard of leanness and and such, you know, being into lifting and stuff.
1: Yeah, totally. Have you ever competed? Okay.
0: You're, you're huge. Sorry. What was that?
1: Have you ever competed?
0: No, man. I, I'm a, I'm a tiny guy, dude. I, uh, it's all illusions for me. I'm six feet tall and I'm like 180 pounds. I kind of just, I kind of just stay lean but um yeah dude i had no idea you were that big because like 220 even if you do say you're like slightly like you know you're bulking and you're slightly higher body fat man that's that's massive dude yeah, <laughs> i had no I, idea you were that big
1: I, i'm just as shocked <laughs> um <laughs> like yeah i really i just came off my contest season in july mm-hmm. and started kind of like reverse dieting and stuff and was like i just want to get to some like uncharted territory mm-hmm. um which the heaviest I had been was like 208.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I just kind of like, it just started clicking, like both the program that I'm on and um, just sort of like this meal plan that I made for myself. It just started working. And mm-hmm. uh, I hit my goal, which was 215. And then like a week later, I think I was like 217. And I was like, let's just go. <laughs> like, I'm yeah, just going to yeah, yeah. I can take it. I've got like four right now. So I'm like, it's acceptable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's amazing man um yeah it's like you got to hit that 100 kilo uh goal right 220 pounds that's that's a good achievement
1: (laughs) yeah i didn't even think about that i don't think kilos (laughs) often.
0: yeah yeah yeah, so us over here on the uh you know in the united states we're not we're not thinking about that too much unless you're unless you're powerlifting i guess exactly yeah are you um so you kind of you train pretty pretty damn heavy too like you're not uh I I see like some of your lifts and such and like, you're like sumo deadlifting what like uh 450 pounds or something for, for reps. Right. Like you, you kind of, you train heavy more often in general or
1: I I like to, yeah. You know, like I think that a lot of my motivation, how do I, I want to put this like in a way that's, that, um, makes my relationship with the gym sound healthy. Like I do this because I love it, you know, Mm. (laughs) um, and because I think like that progress is really addicting and all of that. But uh, yeah. a large part of my motivation is just that, that belief of like vegans can't this and that, you know, mm-hmm. so I want to be stronger than all the people that are saying that shit mm-hmm. and want to beat them in bodybuilding competitions. And, you know, like, that's just a huge driver for me. It's like, well, I will show, I'll prove you wrong. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I do love training heavy. And I also just, um, like to use that as fuel, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do have you ever competed in, uh, in powerlifting or anything too, or is it ma- just bodybuilding really?
1: Yeah. I've never done a sanctioned event the the gym that mm-hmm. I work at, we, we host a powerlifting meet every year, but it's unsanctioned. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I won that three years in a row, but I'd like, I don't know, it's not really, since it's not sanctioned, I can't really claim that, but
0: yeah, sure. And that was never your, your main focus really. Right.
1: No, no. Always just um, maybe like something to do for fun in the off season.
2: Mm-hmm. But,
1: um, yeah, I like being strong, but I would rather – if I had to choose between being strong and looking strong, I would choose looking strong for sure. So
0: what, uh, what drew you to competing? Were you, was this after you already went vegan or was it beforehand?
1: Yeah, it was after. Um,
0: okay.
1: Let's see. I think it would have been like – a year, maybe a year and a half after making the switch. Mm -hmm. Um, when I like started my business and I started renting space out of the the gym that I'm at now, which is called genuine fitness. Um, the owner of this place, he's, he's an avid bodybuilder and he was a, he is a coach. And at the time, um, he asked if I was interested and I was like, yeah, I mean, I guess I, that's something I could do like one day. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, a few months later, he, he kind of just was like, all right, you're in prep now. And I was like, "Okay, shit, here we go." Okay. Uh, and that season was like remarkably successful, mm-hmm. so um, that just kind of like ignited that particular passion. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, that season I did three shows in three in three weeks, um, just all back to back. It was super intense. Um, but I was, I went from like first place to I think. I don't know, for like first, second, third, I was in top three for all three shows, but two of them are NPC shows. Mm -hmm. Um, I was in classic and bodybuilding. So I was like five top three placings. And um, I was like, I guess this is a thing that I can do. And next year I won my pro status with the WNBF. And Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's just kind of like been the focus ever since.
0: Wow. Okay. So. To break down your competition history. So you started competing like six years ago at like a local meet. And then what was like your progression, like step by step, sort of?
1: Yeah. Um it was mostly local. Like uh okay. over here on the on the West Coast, we we kind of have like as far as the natural shows go, we had mm-hmm. like Washington and California, but not really anything in Oregon. Um mm-hmm. so, yeah my first show it was it's called the northwest royal um at the time it was in kirkland washington okay and um i did that and then i just did a couple npc shows that were one of them was also in washington and then um the the last one was actually here in my hometown in eugene so um and that you know they're all of them were local shows it's not like i went to nationals and like crushed it or anything like that um (laughs) been able to do well in both federations like in the npc where it's untested um i don't know that was that was pretty cool and uh sort of like a double thing like you know i get to go and represent uh like vegan athletes but also natural athletes and there's definitely something really special about beating someone that's neither of those things like it just feels very good
0: yeah yeah um, there's there's that meme going around you know for years about like the the natty vegan lifter and just you know it's like some scrawny dude or something but uh yeah you're proving them wrong man
1: yeah yeah and this um it, that feels super awesome and also kind of like surreal but the following mm. year i went down to sacramento um second at a really big show there and then i think i did mm. actually two of the same npc shows but this year um, was one of the cooler. It was one of the better seasons that I've had. Um, mm-hmm. I did uh, again. I, I competed in both feds. I did several NPC shows and a couple um, WNBF shows, and um, I got to win the Oregon State Championships this year in classic physique, which was super cool. And uh, and they the uh, the MC like came up to everyone that won an overall he would like ask them if they wanted to say anything I was yeah. like you better ask want to say something so of course I talked about I plugged veganism and it was just trying to be like lighthearted or whatever but it was like you know I want to I promise you everyone in the audience <laughs> like you're not going to lose your gains if you just eat some tofu like just yeah. think of it, you know like everything that you think you know is a lie but when it comes to <laughs> veganism and bodybuilding like you've been told a bunch of bullshit so
0: yeah yeah that's um that's a really important thing to touch on too i feel like we could really talk about that for a while um but uh yeah it's sort of weird like treading that that uh that weird line between like what can you say in terms of like promoting veganism without coming across as like you know that militant vegan stereotype that um you know it, it i feel like a lot of us are a little hesitant to sort of perpetuate now because it's such a stereotype where we always feel like we're sort of walking on you know uh on eggshells i guess
1: yeah totally yeah it's it's a tricky thing to navigate um and we also like whenever you get into like a an argument or whatever with a non-vegan you're you're they're taking in with them into that argument all of like the other arguments they've ever had with a vegan or mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. like the stereotypes that they have. And I had a, like, I was having a discussion with a guy recently and he was telling me how like vegans constantly spread misinformation. But during the duration of this conversation, I've been like, like in a friendly way, like sending him all these peer reviewed articles that are supporting my points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's coming back with strictly opinion. He like never once yeah. shared anything with me. And I'm like, you know, you're the one that's, saying some shit that's not backed with evidence but yeah again,
0: that's um that's a a really really good point because i feel like so many of us uh we because of that we go to the scientific evidence is like our main um you know our main uh yeah evidence i guess because uh we we feel like we need to rather than uh, just throw out opinions
1: yeah but the one thing that helps like in this domain at least is you know just letting uh my physique and my you know like my history in the sport kind of do the talking like yeah at that show i was just talking about a second ago like i had just won the overall so i was like
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know like it gave me a little bit of credibility at least yeah uh, so yeah that helps but
0: yeah that's definitely uh yeah a really good example just leading by uh just uh yeah just being a good example yourself just being jacked and healthy and everything um so you are technically you're a wnbf pro right correct and that was as of uh, a couple years ago was it or i'm just trying to get like the timeline in order
1: yeah that was 2018
0: 2018 okay and so um for anyone who doesn't know so when you qualify for um uh like a natural pro card does that open more doors to other competitions or what is, um, you know, what does that really entitle?
1: Um, what it, what it really means is I can start competing for money. Um, against, okay. yeah. Uh, unfortunately the way that it works is like not, not every pro show has every pro division. So for example, oh, I see, like one pro show might only have like master's bikini open figure and, you know, like, I don't know, like men's physique. And mm-hmm. so, um, for as far as options for me on the west coast i think there's like three shows that have pro men's Mm -hmm. body um but yeah the main thing is uh you get to start competing for cash prizes um Mm -hmm. which is pretty cool it's like it's a very costly sport (laughs) it's it's
0: yeah sure yeah so um are you technically i'm curious are you allowed to kind of compete with untested pros also at this point or where is the uh the crossover there
1: yeah the i think the technical answer is no <laughs> um <laughs> it's, it's highly frowned upon um the main the rule is i can't uh i'm not supposed to compete in a feder or sorry in a um division that i'm pro in so i'm a pro men's bodybuilder in the wnbf mm-hmm. which if I were to compete in another federation, I have to compete in a division that's not bodybuilding. So, okay. I did a lot of classic physique. Um,
0: I see, I see. Okay. That, um, that makes sense. So to kind of, I want to talk uh, talk to you about, um, you know, a lot of the morals behind uh, veganism and such, but I kind of want to close out, um, all the, the bodybuilding stuff to an extent. Um, I'm curious about what your your training looks like and everything. Like, what's your training history and what's your preferred programming? Like, what have you seen the most success with? I guess.
1: Um in in the past, I just was like a you might call it like an intuitive trainer, but really it was just like I'm just gonna do whatever I feel like doing every time I walk into the gym. Um, mm-hmm. I like saw some flashy shit on Instagram. Was like, oh, I gotta remember that one. Like, I wanna try this out, <laughs> you know, because it looks like fun. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Um, and that got me like a moderate amount of success like that. I was doing that up until just a few years ago, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. and then I, I just just like kind of realized like, um, I'm losing out on a lot of sort of optimal like performance or like, you know, gains by not tracking more data. So Mm -hmm. um, then I just started making it real simplistic. Um, what I'm doing now uh, I had some help from 3DMJ, so shout out to Jeff Alberts um, mm-hmm. oh, nice. on uh, like a double periodization for, um, program where like I'm going mm-hmm. from or double progression, excuse me, like eight to nine to 10 is like my rep range pretty much for for most exercises. So um, I just like really enjoy keeping it simple, um, like mm-hmm. is kind of the name of the game. So. Yeah. Um, thinking exercises that I like and that give me good progress and just do that um for a long period of time and just if I'm not I'm either I'm either increasing in reps or in weight, like everything.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Damn the godfather's coaching you. That's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well he, he helped me write a program out. Um I still claim Aaron Orton as my like coach. Um okay. <laughs> he's uh I wanna shout out to him too. Um he's been hugely uh important in my success in the sport but uh, but yeah i like i was just became a huge fan of the the 3dmj podcast and was like i gotta reach out to these guys and just see um what we can come up with because the program that i had written for myself Mm -hmm. was similar but it was just Uh like it was just like rpe 10 every single day and i was (laughs) just like crushed like so just devastated every after every workout and I was yeah. like, i going to need someone to come in and give me permission to back off a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's uh, So
0: yeah, I can totally relate to that, man. Uh, I think anyone who's, you know, really driven with this sort of stuff, um, you know, we have that tendency to really want to push to failure <laughs> and yeah. uh, it takes a lot to to pull back.
1: <laughs> totally. Yeah. And even just if you're like, well, last week, you know, I did this for a hundred pounds. So this week I should obviously be able to do 120, <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. Just uh, um, maybe making those increments just a little smaller. And
0: allow- yeah, yeah, it's like we we can't make that uh progression like uh you know like we've just been training for less than a year, <laughs> but we still want to.
1: Yeah, man, that is uh, that's like my biggest regret in life is that when I started, I I didn't know more about like, you know, being in a calorie surplus and eating more food, and so all those yeah. like gains I just like didn't get. Like, that just, that crushes me.
0: Yeah, man, for sure. I was uh, going to Planet Fitness for four years when I first started. I was, like, 18. Um, So, yeah, this is, like, man, like, 13 years ago now or something. How old am I now? 32? (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Yeah, it was a while ago. So um, I was going to Planet Fitness and just spinning my wheels, uh, not eating enough food, um, just constantly, you know, uh not gaining weight i I was gaining a little bit of muscle at the beginning from the noob games but you know i was doing the bodybuilding split and stuff i feel like a lot of us can relate because we didn't really have the info back then
1: Mm
2: -hmm, totally
1: yeah i think when i started um i just like walked into the gym in the high school and it was being supervised by the football coach and was like i want to start lifting weights and he was like here and handed Mm -hmm. me this booklet and it was like uh bigger faster stronger something like that Mm -hmm. and it was like a super basic, like one day was like three by ten, uh, like or one week, and then another week was a five by five, and another week was like a three by three, like mm-hmm. I go through that shit. But it was it was based on like making football players better football players, you know? Not
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, you know, and it was just I just kind of was just adrift in the world with like very little guidance for a long time. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Shoot, man.
0: Yeah, I was getting all my info from uh, bodybuilding.com forums back then. And, uh, you know, the hot thing was just doing the bro split because that's all I could find. And I just um, I I was doing like, you know, one day a week frequency for everything. Like, you know, a lot of curls and push downs and stuff because I was like, you know, got to train the arms. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I mean, that got me like very little uh, progress after the first like eight months or so. And then uh, I ended up doing um. I guess probably a little more of what you were kind of doing, like a little more like powerlifting, strength focused, um, higher frequency, a lot of focus on like deadlifts, squats, and like bench. And then uh, I made like new gains all over again. I was like, damn, like I wish I had this info when I was like, you know, 18 just starting off instead of like 20, 22, 23. But uh, I guess it's a lot of people have that sort of story where it's like, yeah, woulda, coulda, shoulda, shoulda, and <laughs> just got to sure. deal with it. it sucks.
1: <laughs> At least we have it now. Um, yeah, yeah. And I did eventually yeah. like you had that sort of second wind of gains and that was how it worked for me too. After my first season where I was like, I'm intentionally going to get fat, like as fat as I can. And I had the same sort of experience and that's, that's where I'm at now It's like, let's, let's try and make <laughs> that happen again. So,
0: um, I, I swear by the, uh, people talk a lot of, talk a lot of smack on it, but, uh, I, I kind of swear by the, um, I don't want to say dreamer bulk, but I like, you know, uh, really pushing the bulks each time. What do do you think about that?
1: I'm yeah, I'm about it. I'm all about it. Um, Like currently I'm, I'm up about 45 pounds from my stage weight Uh and uh, not really any intention of, of slowing that down. Um, At least not for five to 10 more pounds, but um, I kind of think like that's, Really, the only way to go about it is not only like a, a pretty heavy bulk, but also like patience. You know, I take mm-hmm. I'm years off now between seasons because otherwise, like, mm-hmm. there's going to be like really negligible differences. You know, I yeah. grams of extra muscle if I were to compete every year, but not mm-hmm.
0: enough. So, yeah, right um speaking of the 3 dmj uh, guys i was following uh alberto when he you know he, he just did the competitions and such and um you know seeing him after all these years of lifting naturally still making progress like he compared his progression photos and his back it just blew the fuck up and you know it's just so inspiring to see i think he's um if he's not 40, he's, he's like knocking on it. So uh, it feels good because so many people are like, Oh, you know, you can't make progress for that long. Natural. Like you're capped out by like, you know, late twenties, early thirties or something. And you see someone like that, who's doing everything right. And it's just super inspiring.
1: Yeah, totally, man. Um, I was, I was down in LA too, this year to, for um world's WNBF world championships, got to mm-hmm. see him on stage and that was super cool. And you're right. Like his, his upper body is ridiculous like his back is just bonkers and then everything from the front you're just like who is this guy like how how long have you been at this but I mean I guess the whole point is like you just stick with it for a super long time and yeah he's uh he was fun to watch for sure
0: yeah that's amazing what 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 is the difference in person versus the photos
1: (laughs) yeah well photos don't move first of all so that's um that's like super common for just in this world um if people are like unhappy with their placings they'll always Mm -hmm. like pictures to the judges and be like look at this picture like why didn't i place better and it's like well you you pose like shit like you move or you know like you know that one or and it could go the other way too like a photo might look bad um because like the lighting is wrong or Mm -hmm. um, you're just in a strange spot or whatever So in-person is way cooler and it's, it will just always have people look bigger and more impressive and more exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, there was the, uh, there was the heavyweight class, um, at the world championships. Um, and there was two guys that like in-person were just like so close. It was Gary Amlinger and, uh, Bada, Bada Lacan. And, um, in person i was just like dude i don't know like there was tiny little things to like pick apart and then when i looked at the mm-hmm. photos later on it looked um it looked way different it wasn't what i saw in person so mm. yeah anyway in person is always better so to anyone listening go to bodybuilding shows support your friends and you know the athletes <laughs> and stuff, You stuff, might actually be entertained
2: yeah <laughs> that's
0: that's awesome i imagine the the uh, performances are pretty cool um I, uh, so let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, when you first went vegan and, you know, you were still competing and such when you switched your diet over, were you worried at all about like losing progress? Because, you know, I remember personally, there weren't that many, uh, vegan bodybuilders back then. Like I, I I've heard of a few, but in terms of influencers, like the only ones I really followed that were pretty jacked were like Brian Turner and like, I hate to say this, but you know, John, John Venus back then,
1: <laughs> right yeah i i actually i was scared and i didn't know anything um as far as like what i learned in college it was like well rice and beans make a complete protein Mm -hmm. um and that's that's pretty much what i did like because at the time i was like oh tofu is bad it's gonna give me like tits and you know so i just ate rice and beans every day like i was definitely concerned that i um was going to like lose progress or not Mm -hmm. get as big on it. And I think I did for a little while because like I said, every meal was just rice and beans. And I, I, it was just like, that was fucked. Um, I was dumb about it. Like I didn't do any research or anything like that. I just was like, okay, I'm vegan now. This is what I'm going to do. So it did take me a little while. I think probably like a couple months before I was like, maybe I should try it reconfigure things a little bit
0: mm-hmm. so um, in terms of like dialing in your diet did you um what were the main differences you kind of adjusted
1: um well the biggest thing was like doing research into soy and realizing mm-hmm. that also is just a bunch of bullshit um
0: yeah that was such a huge myth back then
1: yeah it's still to this day like i talk to people i mean i get to talk to a lot of people every day just in my profession you know and hear mm-hmm. a lot of old beliefs. And that's still very much alive. Um, so yeah, researching that was a huge deal. Um, cause that unlocked a lot of sources of like sort of easy and common, um, protein. So like tofu and tempeh and like TVP and, um, mm-hmm. all kinds of like that. um but it's been like, as, as I think probably most people experience, my diet's been sort of like changing and growing, Ever since then, um, mm-hmm. now I feel like it, it's way more diverse. Um, like, I think, is it Dr. Greger? He talks about, or maybe it was Simon Hill. I don't know. Someone in, in like, you know, the health community was mm-hmm. talking about how many like types of plants you should be eating in a week. And it was like 45 or something like that. <laughs> that so sounds
0: like, like Dr. Greger might've said that too. Cause I think I remember him saying something about, that or he had like a daily dozen or something i think too
1: it's definitely the daily dozen um yeah okay it, it just became fun to see like how much diversity can i get um like how many different types right. of vegetables and grains and all that kind of stuff um and again that's like it's a lot easier in the off season like it's pretty simple and repetitive when i'm dieting for a stage but yeah yeah
0: uh, do you track your, your calories and macros
1: when I'm dieting for sure? Yeah. When, yeah. Okay. Right now, it's just like, no, not at all. Like I, I don't even yeah. have an estimate. I would guess somewhere in like the 5,500 to 6,000 calorie range, but um,
0: dude. that's, that's so much food. <laughs> it's
1: ridiculous. Like I'm constantly just like on the verge of losing everything. <laughs> like, if I just go down this stair wrong, I'm going to throw up. I know it
0: yeah um Um, that's the reason why i could never so the most i ever gained weight to i don't ever bulk to was i think 207 pounds um i just like do not have the appetite for it i was crushing like forty five hundred calories a day and i just felt like trash all the time dude just like sluggish like no energy just gotta live people do not understand that you really do not want to eat that much food when you get there
1: (laughs) totally yeah and it's so weird like especially like you know, competing in bodybuilding where you're getting to like just such immense, crazy levels of leanness and like your hormones mm-hmm. are and everything in your body is just telling you to like overeat and just mm-hmm. being like the next time that I have freedom and I can eat again, I'm going to eat the world and I'm never going to complain about it. And then like, yeah, you end up on the other side of the spectrum and you're like, fuck, yeah. dude, I have to eat like one more spoonful of oatmeal. I'm going to punch somebody um yeah. you're like I kind of miss the days when I didn't have to eat so much and it's
0: it's still. always the yeah it's always the grass is always greener
1: <laughs> yeah dude and there's no like I I don't foresee ever having like balance in my life until I retire from the sport and mm-hmm.
2: then, like
1: one day you know <laughs> yeah. one day I'll be able to just eat like until I'm full
0: yeah we have a uh, I'm sure I'm I'm sure you're probably the same way like just constantly thinking about food that way. It's just like, I, I don't know how healthy I would personally say it is, but it's like what you need to do to like progress. And uh, yeah. I don't know, it's just kind of the nature of uh, every everything. And I think a lot of people like, you know, kind of look in and they're like, you know, that's super, a super unhealthy relationship with food, but it's kind of what it entails.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. and And that's another weird thing too, about the sport. Like, Bodybuilding in itself is not unhealthy, but competitive bodybuilding, like absolutely is. Everything about mm-hmm. it, is, like not super good for you. Like extreme weight loss, mm-hmm. weight gain, and um, yeah, everything about longevity is saying kind of like the lighter and the smaller you are, the longer you're going to live.
2: Yeah, caloric I'm restriction there. and I'm stuff.
1: I want to die huge. <laughs> 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 so, Just
0: die, die a mass monster, and go out in style.
1: That's right, yeah, and shave like 15 years off my life,
0: but yeah, yeah, that's a that's uh making me think about like um uh, you know like all the uh the Ronnie Coleman's and like Rich Pianas and stuff. I know Ronnie Coleman's still alive, but geez, a lot of those Olympian guys, like the the you know dudes who just take everything in the uh, in the closet, you know, like every steroid they can get their hands on. Those guys are going out so early sometimes, like 40, 40, 45 years old, even earlier sometimes. It's just crazy.
1: Uh, it was a couple of years ago. They got Dallas. Is it Dallas Carver or something?
0: Dallas like Carver, yeah.
1: Twenty-eight.
0: Oh my god, he was that young.
1: I think. I don't, don't, don't. Hope. Hopefully, no one fact checks me and calls me an asshole. But <laughs> he was young, dude. Like it's just getting yeah. younger, more and more frequent, and everyone's just like, "Oh, it's okay. Like this is totally normal." Yeah. Uh, it yeah,
0: just, yeah, normal. it just normalized. But um, I don't know. I think kind of feel like it should be dialed back a little bit cuz people are just you know that the the drug uh what is it the the untested side they're they're really going down early and it's just like i've heard it uh i've heard it called like a death cult you know like t- uh, untested bodybuilding and kind of understand where they're coming from you know.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah man um i i think i hopefully you know there's i think there's hope like this year especially uh with the olympia i've seen mm-hmm. so much how people are like let's make classic physique like the the main event and then yeah. like the guys can kind of be almost like the freak show that you know you watch yeah. Freedom, But the real art um I, like i definitely believe this is the the art is in classic like let's not make it like a competition for who can have the biggest cycle and then mm-hmm. end up with like those giant gh guy. like let's make <laughs> it pretty pretty an aesthetic and yeah anyway i
0: yeah, dial it back to more of like the '80s look with like Arnold, and uh yeah, you know, even even uh you know, Chris Bump said he's getting like he's getting too big for for classic now, isn't he? He's he's just like topping off.
1: I mean, the, yeah, uh, the weight class. It's hard, to, it's hard to imagine it going a whole lot further before, well, like yeah, you might want to compete in, in the open, but you yeah, might seriously, even, like, he's still so aesthetic.
0: Um That dude has an insane body, man. It just he looks like a a mutant but like he still has that kind of build like uh you know like those you know like the yeah i guess the classic guys like uh yeah. I, I guess classic refers to kind of like the 80s look right like the arnold's and like the uh you know all those guys i don't really know too much about a lot of them but it's it's harking back to that look right
1: absolutely like frank zane is another yeah guy.
0: yeah yeah yeah. Um. So I wanted to touch more back on you know the everything about veganism and such because we have not have any time to talk about that yet. All right. Yeah. So you talked about the um, the four pillars of veganism that um, Earthling Ed mentioned, right? Um, so how, what do you what what are your opinions about that? What did you kind of um, want to mention specifically? Is, is this in terms of like what made you inspired you to go vegan, or is it in terms of like what other people um, you know what should inspire other people to go vegan?
1: Yeah, this is more about, like, how, how my journey has sort of morphed. Um, okay. One, and then also, yes, why I think um, everyone should adopt veganism as, a, as like, a moral philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, like, the four pillars, like, I got this, like, from Earthling Ed. I didn't just come up with this myself. But um, the four pillars he talks about is, like, the ethical side of, um, you know, like, doing no harm. Mm-hmm. Um like the environmental like benefits. Um or I like uh, yeah, I guess environmental benefits, the the protective environmental benefits. Um and then personal and okay. public health. And now a big one is like pandemic prevention as well as antibiotic resistance prevention. Uh-huh.
2: Um,
1: and like how that's kind of like worked for me is, is I actually um, hopefully this gives me credibility. I don't know, but I I used to be a hunter and a fisherman. Um, That was just like the way that I I grew up. I lived in Wisconsin for a while. Um, And my dad was an avid hunter and fisherman. And that was something I was like proud of. And um, it's funny to look back and and see my own like beliefs at the time surrounding ethics were exactly what I see when people want to have that kind of conversation with me. Um, Like, Mm -hmm. you know, the circle of life, respecting the animal all that kind of thing um and now like to me what's so obvious is is if the option is like harm or kill the animal and don't kill the animal like the ethical option is obviously not to kill the animal um mm-hmm. that just seems super obvious to me and there's not really a lot of nuance there like yeah if, if you have the option to not do harm then that's the ethical kind of like um not only option, but like obligation, I think Mm -hmm. so.
0: um, Yeah. So many people are, they go back to the, uh, you know, like if I can hunt it and kill the animal myself and like, they try to act like that's like a, that places them higher than everybody else because they have some sort of connection. But like you said, it's like, if you just think about it logically, it's like, well, you don't have to do that at all. Like why, you know, why do it? Why not just, you know, go to the grocery store and buy uh, some plants. (laughs)
1: yeah and not only like uh, (laughs) it's definitely not not the the ethical option of course but also it's not scalable Mm -hmm. but we i think we just we just hit 8 billion human beings and like if everyone in los angeles wanted to like go out and hunt (laughs) all of the all of their meat at, at the the rate that we're eating meat in this country like we would just destroy like every population of every animal and not a very much yeah. time. Um, yeah. so it's not like a scalable option. And that's, I think like tied into the next pillar being environmental is like, mm-hmm. um, it's just a lot more feasible to grow plants, to feed to humans. But I can't mm-hmm. remember which one, I don't know if it was, it wasn't livestock's long shadow. It was um. Uh, I can't remember the name of the study right now, but it was, I think it was um, uh, one of those, one of those fancy universities like over in the UK or whatever, but they they talked about how if the world had adopted a vegan model, 75% Mm -hmm. of our existing farmland would no longer be needed uh, Mm -hmm. because we're feeding so, or we're growing so many crops that we feed to animals and then kill the animals and eat them. Mm -hmm. If, uh, if we just ate the plants, you know, like yeah yeah source
0: <laughs> yeah exactly and also you know all that that farmland uh could you know th- there could be trees there there could be trees planted there because you don't need as much space for um you know granted like i'm not like i'm not super well right on this stuff but you you wouldn't need as much uh space for you know growing plants and such especially if they can do um what do you call it uh the vertical farming now What what is yeah do you, do you know the name of that
1: i thought that's what There's, it was called.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I'm just thinking about, you know, in terms of uh that would save so much space and you can return all this other used farmland to uh trees which obviously capture greenhouse gas emissions and everything. Um right. so like, you know, it kind of compounds into like a a huge factor for the environment. Um which makes a lot of sense. Uh Yeah, like um I know that you know obviously there's the whole factory supply chain and everything involved in uh with uh, distributing food and everything and that could that would also compound where you know like all these things play a part to just help the environment um so yeah it makes a lot of sense what you're saying
1: yeah um and and that's also like the the what you do with that free land is so almost like unlimited like yes of course we could rewild it and that would have huge like carbon drawdown effects um one of the options that i heard that i thought was really cool too was like giving land back to first nations people um Mm. oh yeah or like building affordable housing like Mm. there's so many things you could do that would be far more ethical with that land um and not to mention like how much it would pressure it would take off of like endangered species and local fauna and flora and all that so Mm -hmm. anyway Uh, that's a huge one for me. Like I said, that's what kind of got me started down this Mm -hmm. path. Um, And it's still very important to me. Um, But uh, yeah, next is like personal and public health. And um, I think that one's pretty obvious. Like any diet is going to be more healthy than the standard American diet. Um, But we know like the, the the ability of like a whole food plant-based diet to prevent disease is just it's off the charts. Like mm-hmm. it's just heard of um, both like prevention and reversal for many diseases anyway. Um, it's just, uh, it's crazy.
0: So, yeah. Um, I'm thinking right off the top of my head, uh, the documentary Forks Over Knives, where, yeah. you know, they showed that you can literally reverse uh, plaque buildup, atherosclerosis in your arteries just from eating a whole food plant-based diet. Um And, you know, that was like, that was huge. And it kind of just, to be honest, I feel like it almost kind of got buried a little bit. um It was kind of, you know, it was a big documentary at the time, but it's like everyone just forgot that that's a thing. And at least that's, that's my opinion. And it just, it's insane that, you know, they never thought that uh, anything could reverse atherosclerosis and they showed that it's possible.
1: Yeah. It's crazy, man. Like Caldwell Esselstyn and Dean Ornish and, um, there's a, a third person whose name I forget. They're like, they've done a lot of research into that, and and you know I don't know if we can if we can really say that it reverses heart disease, but you can certainly say that it reverses the symptoms of heart disease. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that shit is crazy. Like there and there's there's forks over knives. There's also what the health and of course when any as soon as any documentary like that comes out, the very next day YouTube is just filled with like this documentary debunked videos because no one wants to be true you know like there we're so desperate for that to be false um yeah because what's the like i don't know if you watch mike the vegan on youtube but a little bit yeah he says is everyone wants to hear good news about their bad habits and Mm -hmm. uh, yeah so uh, that obviously faces a lot of of resistance but like there's a huge body of evidence that's in support Mm -hmm. of it so
0: yeah, you know, that's a really good point. Like, um, I don't think a lot of us who eat vegan, like we, we don't necessarily, you know, want to be different and have to go through all this struggle of finding food and such. We just think it's the, you know, we strongly believe based on the evidence, everything that's the, the most moral thing for obviously and then also like the environmental and health reasons are a big thing so like we choose to do it um because we you know we're willing to put up with those uh minor inconveniences which i you know i i think are very minor i think most people who have been vegan for a while also would agree but you know it's not like we want to go through that we just think it's the the best thing to do
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely um and it, yeah it's not like a tribal thing It's not like it's not like I need you to do this because it's what I do. Like, yeah, I don't give shit if you're like a junk food vegan or a you know, like all you eat is fruit or if you're raw vegan or whatever. Um, I just like want to stop destroying the planet. And yeah, you know, animals that like on a scale <laughs> that's so high that we can't even fathom like you know, 80 billion land animals. Like, what it, we can't even fathom a number that's that big. You can write it down yeah. and say it, but like that's a number that's like beyond comprehension and
0: yeah plus uh, all the marine life and everything it just it's absolutely insane
1: yeah astronomical um so yeah and then of course the last pillar which is obviously like really uh, relevant now is like mm-hmm. prevention and antibiotic the, the prevention of antibiotic resistance and like if you if you like the listener you know if you're on un- Unaware of this. If you look up emerging diseases right now, 75% of emerging infectious disease is zoonotic. It comes from animals. And it's because we're like we're doing everything that they told us not to do during the lockdowns. That's what we're making these animals do. Again, on a mass scale. Like they're confined in tiny spaces that are super like, you know, usually not they're indoor, they're not well lit, they're maybe not well ventilated, they're just like stuck in. spaces Um, and they're
0: just living in their own shit basically
1: yeah dude like just oh just squalor um Mm -hmm. and yeah that's like creating tons and tons of diseases and um and then there's something there's somewhere between 60 and 70 percent of our antibiotics in this country are fed to livestock and like one Mm -hmm. day like worst case scenario we'll we'll get to a point where antibiotics just don't work anymore and like yeah. Do falling down and you scrape your knee and you get gangrene and you have to chop your leg off. Like
0: Right. Yeah. Um I actually just real. read a book the other day. <laughs> they were talking about um just how much more penicillin they have to use uh to make it effective. And it's something like it's an absurd number I I really can't recall correctly, but it's like 800 times as much or something it's like an absurd amount and like obviously don't quote me on that but it's it's some crazy number where it's like you know this is a real thing like antibiotic resistance is a real thing and um they're constantly trying to figure out new uh antibiotics they can use to fight these you know potentially super viruses and stuff that are going to be coming around but not even just that yet just other diseases that are becoming more resistant to uh the antibiotics that we've had so that's a very real thing man
1: Yeah. It's scary, man. Like, I don't, I don't want that. (laughs) That's ridiculous. Um, Yeah. Yeah. um, All of that stuff is just like, seems pretty ironclad and whenever someone wants to, like when I, obviously a lot of people think that they have found like the key to their own health and their own success. And I don't doubt that. Like someone that's doing like the fucking carnivore diet or keto or whatever, like, if you say you feel great, I believe you, I'm sure that you do. Um, But what I, what I kind of like notice most of the time is they're focusing solely on like their, like their own health, or maybe even, maybe it's like everybody like if everyone does this, we'll all be healthy, but it's usually just that one factor. Like what is Mm
2: -hmm.
1: healthy for humans, but it's not taking into account the impact that would have on the environment or Mm -hmm. whether or not it's, like kind to be killing all those animals or um you know it's it's usually like a singular focus and i just don't see that with with any other like diet or lifestyle where it's like this is the best for the big picture for the planet and for like uh everyone that we share it with
0: yeah i think for a lot of people it's sort of uh out of sight out of mind you know what i mean mm-hmm. and um that another big thing about you know climate change is that it's just slow process and we're not really experiencing it too much firsthand we're we don't think about it too much but you know it's obviously you know if you if you trust the scientists which you should <laughs> then you know you should know that this is a real thing and like this is really happening um and then also like in terms of just the animals being killed and everything i don't think most people look at the meat on their plate and think like you know that was once a, a you know a live pig or whatever they just you know they just don't really think about it they might they, they you know they understand but they don't think about it just like you know this is meat i've been eating my whole life like what's the big deal and uh if you show them footage of like you know a pig being slaughtered though they're gonna be like you know they're gonna get pissed off at you
1: right like, yeah,
0: why, why are you showing that it's messed up
1: yeah i know yeah and then of course like every single person ever only gets local grass fed <laughs> fucking all that shit. but it's like well 99 percent of the meat in our country is factory farm so mm-hmm. i guess that just doesn't it's not real like <laughs> yeah
0: yeah um, yeah another thing there is that like you it's not sustainable to try to get everything grass fed like if if ev- if everyone was getting their meat grass fed it there would ne- never be enough space on earth for that Yeah,
1: time. yeah it's crazy like if we're, if you were, if the whole world were to go that approach, we'd still there would still need to be such a dramatic reduction in meat consumption. It would just be like, yeah, yeah. I'll just go vegan at that point.
0: Right, dude. Right, and especially you know with the the advent of um, you know, lab grown meat and such, it's going to hit markets really soon. Um, that could be a huge thing. Um, and it's not like you know, as as vegans, it's not like we don't like the taste of meat at all like you know we most of us have eaten meat before a lot a lot of us still like um mock meats or meat substitutes like you know seitan or something if you want to call that a meat substitute um it's you know just that we're willing to make that trade-off but like i don't know about you would you would you eat lab-grown meat
1: yeah i don't know about that either um i'm not sure i like at this point i like the foods that i'm eating and i i am definitely Mm -hmm. like proud of like i wear i wear veganism proudly um yeah sure and you know i guess technically that would still be a vegan product
0: in my opinion i think it would especially if they can uh if they don't have to kill the first even then at that point like if they really did have to kill like uh i don't know even like one cow to get you know endless samples of that cell i I don't know how they would do it apparently they don't even have to kill any animals i believe at all but still i mean it's like you know, obviously infinitely more ethical than having to kill each animal over and over again, you know, to get that meat. So that's something to think about for sure. Like I, I definitely undoubtedly think it's a more ethical option. Like would I personally eat it? I don't know. I don't, I'm sure you're the same way. Like, you know, we don't really, you kind of don't really crave meat anymore to that extent. Like the texture of like something firm and chewy, like super firm tofu or seitan is good, but it's like, I don't ever have a desire for eating meat anymore. Do you?
1: No, no, I I haven't in a long long time. Um, yeah. And yeah, yeah. I'm curious too. like with it being a a controlled environment and Mm -hmm. uh, like a sterile environment, especially a lot of those risks are gone. Like they're going to be able to control how much saturated fat is in there. I imagine there's not going to be any cholesterol in it because there's no hormones if it's like going to be grown in a lab. So like, and obviously no risk of E. coli and, and salmonella and all that kind of stuff. So like a lot of those health risks are gone. So I wonder if this will have any, any other negative negative health implications. Um, mm-hmm. you know, if it will potentially like, uh, promote any other sort of disease. Cause if not, then yeah, who knows, maybe it would be fun. Um, to go out and have like a lab grown hamburger or whatever, yeah, um, I, I certainly don't see that becoming like a staple for me and I would still feel kind of weird about it. Um,
0: right, right.
1: Like would, w- like, would you eat lab grown human meat? It's <laughs> like, it's to me, it's equally like preposterous. Like, well, that's pretty strange. So I would definitely feel odd, <laughs> like eating that. But
2: yeah.
0: Hmm. that that makes that's that's interesting you put it that way that makes a lot of sense like even though technically <laughs> this is such a funny sh- subject to talk about but yeah. i feel like even though technically you yeah if they could make completely ethical human meat like if they'd have to kill somebody if they just sampled a cell and like proliferated it or whatever and grew it into like a human steak like wouldn't <laughs> that still be a little weird to eat it would
2: totally, <laughs> like, yeah, it would totally be weird <laughs>
0: Right, right. That's such a funny thing to think about. Cause if you really do equate, you know, all meat being the same thing, it's like, yeah, that would still be weird to eat uh, you know, a, a cow you know, a cow steak at that point. That's that's uh that really makes me think, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. It is strange. I wouldn't really know until I'd have to think about that more before before I did it for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I... yeah. but
0: yeah. Feel um... out the whole uh, you know, understand the whole process and everything. Yeah, for sure. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but I tell you what, like I fully support that as an option cuz I do know like mm-hmm, yeah. as much as I love sort of like preaching if you will about this, I know that there's no mm-hmm, way mm-hmm. that the whole world is just going to be like, "Oh yeah, okay, well we believe you. Like we'll do it. Yeah. I'm not going to fight yeah. this anymore. Let's I'll be vegan." Like I know that's not going to happen. Yeah. So this is by far like the most scalable option. What seems to be like mm-hmm. maybe the healthiest option is it removes all of those other like pathogen um risks mm-hmm. and everything and you're not feeding antibiotics to all of it like it kind of covers right the four pillars honestly
0: yeah yeah that's kind of why i brought it up because i figured uh, you know it's a way more ethical option and it's the probably in my opinion the way that more people will uh you know adopt you know this this, this style of uh you know this lifestyle i guess um it just seems like the most agreeable option for people who are like completely against cutting out meat you know and there's those people like that so um i do kind of feel like it might be the uh the next step what do you think
1: absolutely yeah it's that's what uh, all my like that's what i'm hoping for for sure i'm devoting yeah. a lot of yeah. energy into like br- bringing this into reality yeah <laughs> so yeah fingers crossed man
0: word um So I just want to touch on a couple more things. Uh, We've been doing this for about an hour now. So um, I kind of want to go back really quick to um, one question that I had to kind of draw back the bodybuilding and the veganism together. Um, So obviously when you're competing and stuff and when you're, you know, you're at this level that you're at, you people find out that you're vegan and they (laughs) must react to you in some way, right? Like you're a big guy in the gym, just in general, when people find out, like, you eat a plant-based diet how do they react to you
1: um well in competition um it's always like shock and i usually try Mm -hmm. not to like say anything until after until after (laughs) it's over um you know like especially if i've done well um Mm -hmm. then yeah then i like to kind of drop the hammer and everyone's just like what like that's Mm -hmm. crazy i just see like lots of shock um and not necessarily like denial, but you pretty much any time that you tell someone that they're going to tell you why they can't do it. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm sure well, you've experienced the same thing. So, um, and it's also a lot of like, wow, I'm, I, that's crazy that you've gotten this good of a physique while also being vegan. That's crazy. And it's like, it's really mm-hmm. not And like my ability to um, recover is like so much better now
2: mm-hmm. that,
1: um, It's, I feel like it's more of an advantage and also just like a happy accident that happened is like, I, what I had alluded to a while ago is that I didn't really know anything about, um, like eating in a surplus and just nutrition for bodybuilding in general before going Mm -hmm. vegan. And then realizing like I had to do some, some work, Mm -hmm. um, that's that like gave me the reason to really like dive into that and realize Um, what was necessary. And all of, because of that, I can claim that like all of my success as a bodybuilder has, has happened since making the switch to veganism, which is pretty cool. Um,
0: That's amazing. Yeah. In terms of what, what do you think uh, dietarily is the key to success in bodybuilding? Would you say like it boils down to literally just calories and macros and maybe like, I don't know creatine
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, creatine. Yeah. Um, I, I do love creatine for sure for anybody. Um, and yeah, I honestly, I think that the biggest thing holding anybody and everybody back is just not eating enough food. And especially mm-hmm. now uh, with in the age of social media, everyone thinks that you have to be shredded all year long. And that it's like, like I'm going to try and like lean bulk, which is definitely, um possible but takes more time already and it like and it kind of takes a long time as a natural person um
2: mm-hmm.
1: so that just kind of like adds to that time frame so anyway i think it's it's not eating enough and being too um making it too much of a priority to be like lean all year round like too right much okay better, like getting just a little bit soft
0: so if you compared uh someone eating a plant-based diet versus someone eating an omnivorous diet for the point of, you know, body composition, you would say that as long as they are getting the same amount of calories and macros, that it's like uh, uh, equatable across the board.
1: I would say so. Yeah. The main difference, um, as like what I noticed in myself was just a, a, f- a, far enhanced ability to recover from my workouts and therefore like be able to train at a higher intensity, um, And you, you know, you can, you'll definitely find that in the research is like how this diet promotes, um, how it's like anti-inflammatory. So, um, any, the more that I can like consume antioxidants and let that take care of the oxidative stress from my workouts, like it's Mm -hmm. not having to deal with oxidative stress from my diet. So, um, anyway, yeah. As far as, you know, results and like macro equivalency, then yeah, if, Mm -hmm if the omnivore and the vegan are eating the same, um, you know, calories and macros and, and micronutrients are all covered and everything. then um, yeah, they're most likely going to see similar results, but I would be willing to bet that the vegan person is probably just a little less sore.
0: <laughs> yeah. That makes a lot of sense with the, uh, antioxidants and such too. Um, but there are, have even been studies, you know, um, uh, with, uh, comparing different types of protein powder, like plant-based first, uh, you know, like, animal-based sources, and um, as long as uh, each source um, has, like, uh, a- equatable amounts of um, leucine, I think it is, it spikes mus uh, muscle protein s- synthesis to, like, the maximal level at a certain range. As long as they're getting like enough protein throughout the day, really, enough amino acids, like they're getting that same MPS response. So it should be fine. I have seen some evidence saying that like people on a plant-based diet might need a little more protein, but honestly, like I feel like it's it's mostly semantics. And as long as you're just lifting and eating intelligently to the point where you're getting enough calories and roughly enough protein, like you're good. And like Maybe you only have to worry about that if you're like, you know, dieting the insane levels and like trying to maintain all your muscle, you know?
1: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen um the same thing and like there's so much discussion on like bioavailability of the uh-huh. protein. But the percentage at which it's less bioavailable is so small that if you do like you do eat just let's say like 20 grams more protein than you right. would normally that like that covers that issue. And then yeah, you <laughs> can get all classes that you need um the right. amounts that you need them so yeah it is um this is this is kind of a tangent but that's another thing that i hear people say all the time is like oh like a vegan diet's possible but it takes a lot of planning and it's like <laughs> no it doesn't like it takes maybe a little bit do- of like you maybe yeah. you don't, you're not aware of all of like of what tofu is or where to get tempeh or how to make seitan or whatever but like mm-hmm. Bitch, if you eat like any healthy diet, like it's gonna you're gonna have to plan it out just a little bit if you wanna be successful. So
0: Yeah. That's uh that's exactly what I always say too, dude. Um <laughs> it's not hard. It's just like you have to just know what you're doing a little bit and then just just don't honestly just don't be stupid. <laughs> like yeah. just have a little common sense about it. And uh it's really not that difficult. You don't have to match protein sources, you don't have to you know look at chronometer for all your amino acids you just have to get enough protein eat a variety of foods uh if you're really really worried maybe get like a little extra protein meaning like maybe a gram per pound of body weight but Mm -hmm. like i even feel like that's not even fully necessary but that's just that's just my opinion but um yeah Yeah.
1: That, that was one of the like more interesting things that i learned too um was like again, like circling back when I was like, well, rice and beans makes a complete protein. Like, yeah, that's yeah. true. But you don't have to eat them at the same exact time for that to still be real. Cause you're getting at the amino right, acids right. both of them. And if it comes separately, like it's okay. <laughs> so
0: exactly. And also like, um, just one more quick little thing I want to add to close this out. Um, there also is, So I've read multiple times that there's literally no um, plant-based food that is actually an incomplete protein. It's literally all amino acids come from plants that's where they originate from um so there's no plants that are actually missing any amino acids it's just they're probably you know there's a there's a good chance they're deficient deficient in some amino acids versus others but they contain all of them that are essential uh it's just yeah you have to kind of mix and match and also like a lot of plant-based sources lower in calories lower in protein to some extent but as long as you're eating enough of them you're going to get enough amino acids you know um i thought that was really interesting
1: absolutely yeah i've seen the similar like the same thing, um, all plants have all amino acids, just varying degrees. And yeah, it's a it's a lot easier than people think, um, and getting more and more mainstream too. Like, you mm. know, now you can go to you could drive down the street and go to Burger King or whatever and get yeah, like plant based Whopper. Like that's crazy.
0: Dude, we're living in the future. It's insane for <laughs> it's for a awesome. vegan. It's it's never it's never been easier.
1: Dude, I know um, man. I feel like super spoiled. I talked to some like OG vegan right. and they're like, yeah, I lived in rural Wisconsin back in the nineties. And all I ate was peanut butter sandwiches. I'm like,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: That's sounds horrible. yeah. They're like,
0: they're lucky to get like a block of tofu back then. And it's crazy.
1: Yeah,
0: um, speaking of which, how would you, how would you suggest um someone to segue into a plant-based diet if they're already into lifting? Um, if you had to give like a quick summary
1: yeah i'm gonna just operate under the assumption that they're already eating like a somewhat healthy or even balanced diet let's say the typical bodybuilding diet is going to be like chicken broccoli and rice i'm going to say continue eating your broccoli and your rice and then just like swap out the chicken breast with some high protein tofu or tempeh or seitan or whatever um if you're eating like I don't, if, if for whatever reason you're eating cheese then just like grab a different kind of cheese which is you yeah know, like, yeah like or follow your heart or whatever like start mm-hmm. making small swaps like for me i'm i'm very much an all-or-nothing person um which is why i dove in head first and had to like learn by it was like trial by fire like i had to learn mm-hmm. through failure so i understand some people are are not that way and it's going to be a lot mm-hmm. maybe easier to just start making those sw- small swaps in the beginning. But like, you don't need to completely like tear it down and build it up again. Um, Use your foundation that you already have and just start switching those things out. Um, Yeah. And like, look to the internet for help because there's like everything that we as humans have ever learned is on the internet. It's crazy. Um, And you can like seriously go to YouTube and like, if you're in the mood for pizza, be like, how do I make vegan pizza? And you can... Like anything that you want, <laughs> you can make vegan. So,
0: yeah, um. that's a. Uh- that's a perfect summary in my opinion That's exactly what i always say whenever anyone asks like the best way to go vegan especially if they're into lifting yeah just swap out like those animal products for the the mock v whatever you want to call it like you know the vegan versions of them the the follow your heart cheeses the violife cheeses whatever the uh silk soy milks or you can even go like the they have like next milk now which is they have like whole fat two percent it's literally like they make it so easy now where it's like the same macros same calories. And just so that's that's uh that's great advice man um i love that um so let's um yeah so i think we touched on everything man i think this is uh it's a lot of really really great info um do you have anything else you you feel like you want to close out with or um anything um, else we didn't touch on
1: i i definitely feel um you know like we kind of covered the whole thing that was a a lot of topics but yeah uh, yeah i like to end on hope you know um it's super easy to be like everything's fucked lately especially the last few years but um it does seem like the movement is like growing and getting bigger and becoming way more mainstream and um you know we're we're seeing like almost like unprecedented unprecedented amount of Sort of like kickback or like you know fighting against the movement. Um, mm-hmm. but the reason that is is because it's also like becoming way bigger and um has like a such a larger spotlight on it right now. And I think that's kind of like what I want to focus on is um, it's like veganism is kind of a big deal at this point. It's growing, and I mm-hmm. think a lot more people are waking up and just understanding. Um, you know, if it's if it's wrong to harm a then it's wrong to harm b and that applies like in every battle in human rights over our Mm -hmm. whole history and now it's like starting to hopefully become a little more apparent if it's wrong for me to kick my dog then it's certainly wrong for me to stab a cow um like just i think it's all it's all coming together there's like hopefully an awakening that's happening and that's what i see and that's what i hope continues to happen
0: love that man that's a, a great way to close out here and it like you said earlier it's never been easier to go vegan so um that totally. makes it really easy too
1: <laughs> totally
0: all right zach where can people find you on uh, social media
1: um on facebook you can just look up zachary belknap and that'll link you to my athlete page as well which is um i think it's zachary belknap WNBF pro bodybuilder mm-hmm. on instagram uh it is just my business name bold body fitness llc Um, and that's all I got. I'm simple. Yeah.
0: You do uh online coaching too, or just in person?
1: I am. Yeah. I'm actually like sort of like newly getting into online coaching. So, um, I'm happy to say yes to that when I I was previously saying no. So yeah, if you're, um, at all interested, I am super happy to help out, especially, I mean, I work with all clients, um, or all people, like regardless of how they eat, but
2: Mm -hmm.
1: especially if you're interested in, um, and veganism and, or bodybuilding, then reach out to me. Cause I'd love to work with you.
0: Hell yeah, dude. Um, thanks again so much. We touched on so much good info here. So thank you so much for your time, dude. And thanks for putting up with the uh, technical difficulties.
1: <laughs> yeah. Thank you, man. I was afraid again, like I said, it was like my Wi-Fi or my computer or something like that. So, um, anyway, I'm super happy to do it. Thank you for having me on. And uh, I look forward to hopefully talking to you again soon.
0: Sweet, man. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ethics Broach podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't already, it would mean a ton if you gave the podcast a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, Player FM, Pinecast, or any other service you're listening to it on. And if you subscribe to the Ethics Fitness YouTube channel, Instagram page, Twitter, and Facebook page feel free to check out the articles training and nutrition programs coaching services and merch on ethicsfitness.com and if you like what i'm making dropping a like commenting and sharing would mean a ton to me thank you so much again and i'll see you in the
2: next episode peace out